Well, I want to just share with you, and this is going to be kind of a weird way to introduce this, but, it, but it's going to work, just trust me. And I've got a golf club in my hands, and golf is a game I love. It is, it is a game that I absolutely love to play. And, you know, I played for years, and, you know, I've, I played golf and things like this, and, you know, things like this, but I started to take some lessons. And I can't believe how they changed everything about what I did. You know, I mean, it, it was crazy. And I'm actually a worse golfer now than I was before I took the lessons because I had to unlearn things that were not going to allow me to progress to the golfer I want to be. You know, and this is a nice little club. You know, and before it was just, you know, this is a, I borrowed it from Jake Blaukamp. It's a pitching wedge. And, uh, you know, and you can do all kinds of things with this club. And before, you know, it's just, hey, it's a high loft club. And I would just kind of, you know, hit it and do whatever. But, you know, as I'm learning golf and, and things like this, you know, I, you, you can open this face up and you can just do this. You can close it down, do a little bump and run. You can, I mean, there's, oh, this is an awesome tool. You know, if you would have asked me years ago if you were a golfer, I would have said yes. But you know what? Now I'm a golfer because I became a student of the game. My concern is a lot of people that say they're Christians, just like I used to be a golfer, but they don't know anything about living it. And for years they've been saying I'm a believer, but they've never gotten into how to fight their battles. How do I become a victorious Christian? How do I, how do I learn to do a bump and run? And how do I learn to do the various things like in the game of life. I'm going to talk about shame because that's the first thing that the Lord told me to talk to you about today. And we're going to, we're going to start that. And we're going to start onto that journey. And I had all these things about how to overcome shame. And we're going to touch on those things. But I am literally going to give you the tool. Not only to get healed of any kind of shame. But to get healed physically. To change your life emotionally. To have victory in every single area of your life, okay? And trust me, I know. I was absolutely crazy, demon-possessed man before I got saved. Yep. Just the fact that she's still married to me is the fact that I changed. <laughs> yeah, she goes, yep. <laughs> she was married to me before I was saved. It was crazy, okay? And, uh, and I'll share some of that with you. But let's look at what is shame. You know, it's kind of funny because my job is really to read and study the Word and then talk. That's it. Live it and share it. I have the best job in the whole world. It is awesome. And I am hyper. For those of you that don't know me. So this pulpit, who knows where it's going to end up. What is shame? This is a dictionary definition. A painful emotion caused by consciousness of guilt, shortcoming, or impropriety. It is an emotion caused by consciousness of guilt. Shortcoming. Anybody feel like they come up short of what God intended for them to come up short on? You ever feel like you're not good enough? Have you ever felt like, you know, I used to feel like, you know, I got in by mistake. I literally, I literally when I got saved, I was like, I almost didn't want God to find out about it because I snuck in somehow. You know what I mean? Because this thing is way too good from what I deserve. You know what I mean? I mean, he delivered me from being demon-possessed. He started healing my body and all this other kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And I used to, I, I literally, I literally was going, 
if he finds out I'm in, I might get kicked out. (laughs) And I had to learn what the word of God said about me. And it wasn't a mistake. He was the one that grabbed me out of all that, you know, and your shortcomings, your improprieties, things you did that you're now ashamed of. Shame will cause you to, when you, when you carry shame, it's going to cause you to hide. It'll put you behind a veil where, where you will interact with people, but they're not seeing the real you. It might come off like, hey, I'm really happy and I'm real joyous and I'm jokester and all this kind of stuff, but deep inside there's so much pain and hurt. It might come off as super shy. You know, I, you know if they really find out who I am, they won't like me. Hey, I still have friends. I'm going to release you from that right now. And, I'm, and everybody thinks I'm crazy in a good way now, but you know what I mean? You can just be you. You're a real good you. People are comfortable with you being you even screwed up. But the insecurity in the fact that you might have a mess, that's what drives people away. See, it's one day to say, I'm not good at that. You know, I, I don't know. People ask me questions all the time and I just have to go, I don't know. I can look it up, I'll pray about it, I'll get back with you, but I have no clue. Well, you're a pastor, you should know. Well, I can give you an off-topic answer. I can give you an answer that you probably won't be able to live. Don't think that way anymore. And you won't do it anymore. <laughs> it is that simple. You can't do something you're not conscious of or thinking of or haven't put into your subconscious. Shame will stop a person from filling their God-given potential. It will stop you from seeing others the way that they truly are too because you're judging them according to your shame and according to your own judgments, including God. It will tell you that you're not worthy, that you will not receive what Father has for you or what other people have for you like love. Have you ever felt like you're unlovable? That's a lie. You ever felt like you're not important? Lie. This is how we fight our battles. We expose that lie. Come on, somebody. It will tell you that you cannot be used by God. Well, God could, you know, I, I, honestly, sometimes I'm just amazed that I'm a pastor. And all the time, you know, especially in the, in the beginning, the Lord just, you know, I mean, I go, you're the one that called me, man. It's your fault. <laughs> this is your problem. <laughs> you chose me. Amen. Because I usually am not like the other pastors in the group. It will steal your potential and it will make you believe things that are contrary to God's view of you. Shame will come from either something you did or something that was done to you. Many of you statistically have been abused. 
And with that, I don't know how the devil does this. He makes you feel like you deserved it. How in the heck does that work? He is tricky. Come on. You deserved that abuse. If you feel that way, you're wrong. We'll prove it today and we'll get you free. Because that's a lie from the pit of hell. It doesn't matter how shame came or any kind of wound came into your life. What matters is, what did Christ do to redeem me from it? Whatever Christ did on the cross, he did for you. We have a common salvation. He died once and for all. Whatever he paid for was for you. And I don't care where you're at in life. But pastor, you don't understand how much I messed up my life. You don't understand how terrible I am. Hey, if I haven't done it or if I don't have a family member that did it, I definitely know somebody who did. <laughs> and I'm talking gross, gross, gross sins. I'm talking murder. I'm talking thievery. I'm talking sexual perversions and sins and things like this. And I know people in all those kind of situations that have, who have grabbed onto Christ and have gotten to victory. And today, you're going to be in that group. And I don't care what you're dealing with. It might be just this little thing, or it could be a gigantic thing, but you win. Amen. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? More than? Mm, come on, somebody. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, I love this verse. Oh, my gosh, this is just like one of my favorites. I don't know if it's going to come up or not. They probably will. Look at that. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, right? You didn't earn this. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. In other words, not by what you're going to do are you going to get any of this. And if you have it that way, or you think you're going to get it that way, the devil got you. You're thinking wrong. You either entered into religion, which is demonic manifestation of a Christian experience. Or you're going to live by grace, which is a manifestation of the life of God. What is grace? Let's look at this. You're saved by grace. What is grace? God's goodness, kindness, and provision towards you. Let's just put it that way. God's goodness, kindness, and provision towards you. God's always good to you. You know he loves you? He thinks you're, he loves it when you wake up in the morning. He does. What's your name? Yeah. He goes, Sarah is up! Come on, angels. I'm serious. She's awake. Look, look, look. Okay, yeah, get her coffee because she doesn't do it real well in the morning. I, I don't know. I don't know what you're like. Okay, you know what I mean? I just know what I'm like. I'm not a morning person. My wife wakes up going, oh, it's a great day. She would sing to me in the morning. I had to say, stop, stop, stop. It is not blessing me. But it's a great day. I go, it hasn't even started yet. You don't know that it's a great day. I did, yeah. She's ticking me off in the morning. It's not starting my day off well. She goes, but I'm prophesying. It is a great day. This is the day the Lord has made. It's going to be awesome. And I'm like, go away. 
Give me some drugs in my body. <laughs> coffee. Yeah, that's the only drug. And it's kind of fun because, you know, we'll drink a half a cup of coffee in a day. Uh, you know, I try to limit myself to a cup because I'm, I'm, I'm an excessive guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd be like, 40 cups, awesome, let's go. <laughs> so I have to, like, limit my flesh. So if, God, if grace is God's... Uh, 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 you know, I actually wrote it down here, and I'm going to add one thing to it. God's power, kindness goodness and provision towards you. God's power, kindness, and provision towards you. What is faith then? It's what I believe about God's power, kindness, and provision towards me. Because he doesn't change, but I can only access what I believe about him. And that's it. So if I can look at, by grace I have been saved, by his power, goodness, and kindness towards me. If I got saved, what does that saved mean? Because his power is towards me, his kindness towards me, his goodness is towards me. What does that word saved mean? Without going into detail on it, it means that he healed you, made you whole. We'll put it this way, nothing missing, nothing broken. It literally means a lot of things, but the Foursquare Church, I think it, they're, and, and not that that means anything to you, but they built their church on the four things about what sozo is, which is the Greek word for salvation, or one of them. And it means deliverance, healing, infilling of the Holy Spirit, prosperity, wholeness. Every area of your life. For by God's goodness, kindness, and power towards you, you have been made whole, nothing missing, nothing broken. By my trust and belief in that, and it's not of what I did, it's all about what he did. That's the PR translation, Paul Rosinski <laughs> translation. And so if this is mine... And if I can find any scripture that talks about God redeeming me, or if he did anything on the cross, then I can go, he did that for me. Right. And I'm going to trust that, and then that's coming to me. Isaiah 50, verse 6. This is Jesus. Got this? Okay. Verse 6. It says, I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. Do you see the picture of Jesus? I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Why did he receive that? Did he deserve any of that? He did that because he loved you. And he knew you were going to deal with shame. And so he paid the price for shame. Did he deserve any of it? No. He knew God would help him. Can I share with you, same thing for you. God will help you. God's going to do this. And the way that he's going to do it is because he paid the price. My faith, what I believe about his power, goodness, and kindness, and provision towards me, 
is what's going to release that into my life. If he paid the price for shame, I don't need to have it anymore. But pastor, I did do those things. Exactly. And I'm going to show you how to put that so far behind you, it will never affect your life again. I do need four volunteers immediately. Up on this stage. I'll pick you, so you might as well just come on up. Awesome. If you could go up on stage. Number two, coming up on stage. Oh, you have to volunteer. Come on. Okay, I got my four. All right, come on up. Come on up here. And just go in a line right here. Just starting right over there, right in the middle. You're there. You're there. You're there. Estera, what? Or Estera, you're going to hold off for just a second. No, you can stay on stage, though. First Thessalonians 5.23, please. First Thessalonians 5.23 coming up. I want you to stay right here. I want you to come over this way, right here. And I want you to come over this way, right here. Thank you very much. It says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sarah, why don't you come out right over here, please. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this illustration, you're going to be spirit, soul, and body. I am a spirit. I have a soul, mind, will, and emotions. I carry all that around on this earth in a body. Spirit, soul, and body. Now, what happens is, as I'm going through life, let's talk about shame. Before I'm born again, this person does not know God at all. I am sorry, but you are a heathen. <laughs> <laughs> Only in this illustration, okay? Your, your father is the devil, no matter, no, no matter how nice of a person you are. Now, let me tell you. Even though this person is not connected to God and is dead, the spirit, before they come to Christ, this person can be a very nice person if their parents spanked them, if their parents corrected them and loved on them and trained them to not respond according to what their flesh is dictating. Right? And so this person's well-trained, and so even though this person, the real you, is not alive to God, is dead, this person can look a lot like a Christian, but still dead. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone, let me see what it says. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we get it. Now then, no, oh boy, that's 20. Let's go up to 17, if we may. Let's see if it comes up. I'll quote it to you if it doesn't come up. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, they are a brand new creation. Old things become new. That new creation means one that never existed before. Now, what happens is, as I'm going through life, this person is really connected to the devil. So if this person's going to get into the flesh, this person's hanging out with all of them. You know, I can't believe what they did to me. Oh my gosh, evil, evil, evil. I am going to get even with them. You know what I'm saying? I am, is it right if I grab your head? I'm sorry. I actually just got a piercing. Did you? Well, praise God for that. You know, when I got my tattoos, everybody slapped me on my arms too. So it's, you deserve it. All right, so. <laughs> I'm sorry, I won't grab your head again. All right, so. 
<laughs> got any tattoos? Let's, let's, uh, let's see if we got any tattoos going. All right. So what, what happens is, you know, let's say somebody abuses this person. They abuse them in the flesh. The mind starts to get an identity that I'm unworthy. I am just an object. I am just whatever. This person is like, you know, you know, because Satan is connected to this person, their spiritual death, there is no life coming into this. And so depending on each individual and how they will respond, some will respond with overt, uh, boisterous behavior, hiding their pain and their shame. Some will revert and turn into very wallflower type people, you know, shame and just whatever. And we're just talking about shame now. There's other things that will cause both of those responses. You know what I mean? You put me in a group of people, I'm kind of out there. You know what I mean? And it's not because of pain anymore. It's just because I love people. You know what I mean? And so you can't judge anybody according to these things. I'm just saying when there's pain, there can be these two responses primarily, right? And so all of life right now is just based according to what I can filter through this thing. And the world is coming to you, whatever's done in the flesh, right? You know what I mean? It's processed in the psyche, Right? And if there's no voice of healing, then you carry this for the rest of your life and it'll affect everything you do. But there's something that happens. Somebody comes and starts speaking into these ears, goes into this soul. Jesus Christ is Lord and He loves you and He wants you to get born again. And something inside of you is yearning for what you had when you were a child because you were created by God and you were alive to God once. There's a God-sized hole in every human being. And somehow, in fact, Mary Jo's here. Her husband is the one that led me to Jesus Christ. He, he asked me to go to church a bazillion times. And I would use the most profane language to try to scare him off. And I said, fine. I go, I'll tell you what happens in my life. If I tell you about the demons in my life, you're going to get afraid. He goes, go for it. I said, you're like every other Christian. I said, you're all wimps. You're going to be afraid. He goes, go for it. Eventually, I said, listen, demons talk to me. He goes, that's nothing. Hope rose up inside of my emotions. Something inside of me was going, what? Did I meet somebody that was real? I said, I have books moving in and out of my shelf and lights will turn on and off and they grab me and pin me to the bed and they do that. He goes, that's nothing. You want to take care of that right now? That's just the devil. We can take care of that right now. And hope rose up in my emotions that there is somebody greater than the demons that are just tormenting me. And I heard the gospel for the very first time and I made a decision. I don't get any of this. I don't understand any of this. But he showed me, it was after service, and another friend of ours showed me the Bible. But put it this way. He goes, Paul, you're going to heaven when you die? And I go, how in the hell does anybody know they're going to heaven when they die? (laughs) And he looked at me, and he goes, if I can show you in the Bible that you can know that you're going to heaven, would you be interested? I go, yes, I would be. He took and put in front of my eyes the scriptures about being born again. My soul said, I want that. It was whatever. And when I confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, this old person, old things passed away. Sorry, you are now done with this illustration. (laughs) Okay. Just stand back here, though. Right there. Come on in over here, Sarah. All things become brand new. Literally a brand new 
person lives on the inside with the same mind, will, and emotions. It looks the same, but there's a new voice in town. And the flesh still has the same thing. You may sit down and enjoy the rest of this. Thank you so much. All right. So. So now we got a brand new person in town right here. Born again, you. This person, and I'm God now. We're connected. You're awesome. I think you're great. We'll work on the morning thing. You know what I mean? It's okay. Because that one's out of control. That one right there, way out of control. We're going we're to deal with that. You know what I'm saying? All right. And so now there's a new voice in town. So now when something happens in life, these two, because this hasn't been saved yet, this mind, will, and emotions, nor has the flesh and nor will the flesh, these two still talk to each other, face each other. And so when a situation in life happens, these two are still processing life according to the old ways. But now there's a new voice in town going, um, guys, hey, hey, um, you know, no, you keep facing that way because you're ignoring us right now and uh, you're doing great. And so now there's a new voice in town. And when I want to get angry at that person that cut me off, I want to get mad at so-and-so. I want to judge myself according to somebody else. I want to do something the way that I used to. There's just this little teeny thing back here, barely noticeable. Um, that's not right. No. Shh, no. That's not right. So how do we get this person turned around? Romans 12, 1 and 2. We're going to do Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, not by your own power, by the mercies of God that you present, is it up there? Brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's your reasonable service. We're going to come back to that, okay? Are you getting anything out of this? Is this helping anybody? Okay, so it's my reasonable service. This person's going, we're going to get them. We're taking them down. Because it's my reasonable service to present them to God. And remember 1 Thessalonians 5.23? May the God of peace himself sanctify you. And so now verse 2. And it says, uh, but be, uh, verse 2 please. What's that, did I mess up? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. And you guys are phenomenal, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> I don't read to the end because I was quoting it. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay. And I think it's James that says, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Romans 12 17 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Okay, so let's just look at these things. So now this person starts talking to this person and this person. Let's get the Bible out. And they start reading. And this person starts grabbing onto the Word of God. And they start dealing with life kind of like this, even though this person, you know, they're communicating here and they're communicating here. And life is kind of working and it's kind of not working. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's happening. I'm getting some victories. You know what I mean? And, but I'm not, and this is where most Christians live. 
They don't totally get this thing renewed. They still watch way too much TV, way too much news. If you watch too much news, you're going to get fear. They, whatever you women do. (laughs) I only have guy illustrations. I don't get, you know what I mean? I know I'm married to one. I have a daughter that's one. I have all these spiritual daughters around me, and I still don't get y'all. But, you know, and so most of them live kind of like this, you know. And so soul is facing towards God. Mind is kind of vacillating between the two. And let's just turn you around for the sake of, uh, you know, boom. And you're living like this, and there's this constant fight in, your, in who you are. I want to gratify the lust of the flesh, but yet I want to serve God. I keep falling into sin and reacting to the shame, but, but I know that it's, God has something more for me. Now, what will happen if I radically, radically get into the word of God? These two are both facing towards God right? And at that point, it doesn't matter what flesh wants to do. They drag flesh on the, and now you can turn around and face this way. They will drag flesh to the destiny of God. But emotions can be tied to the flesh. And when a situation arises that reminds you of the abuse or reminds you of the things that you did, your emotions want to tie back to the flesh. The renewed mind says, you know, we're going to meditate on the word of God. We're going to put on the government praise for the spirit of heaviness. We are going to know that we are, you know, that, well, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so when the emotions try to turn this person around, this person and this person, your mind and your spirit, they're going, you're righteous. Don't you dare go there. Don't you yield to that emotion. And then you'll have victory, and you'll never be led by the flesh again. And when you start to go crazy, you've got enough word in you to hook up with your spirit because these two are like, hey, we're going to make this thing happen. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And this is how most Christians react to this. God, heal me. See, a lot of times people try to relate to God and to fulfill the will of God and get close to God this way. Turn around again and face each other. They try to do it this way. I'll make this body a living sacrifice. I'll tell you what, we're going to the gym every morning at 6 o'clock. You are not going to eat except vegetables and salad. And you are going to read the Bible 18 hours a day. And you're going to do all this kind of stuff. And you fail. And then condemnation comes in. And what you have done is you're not allowing the glory to go to God who wants to sanctify you. And you're trying to earn it yourself. And it's a demonic thing called religion. Anytime I'm going to try to earn what God has given, I will lose. And so these people are like, Lord, take this away from me. And the Lord's sitting here. Why? Because it is finished. And then how does the Lord sanctify you? Okay, everybody turn around face this way. And instead of, Lord, heal me, I go to Romans 1.17. Let's, let's bring that up. Romans 1.17, if we can, please. Is this helping? Is this good? Is this all right? Yeah, good. It says, oh, boy, I messed up on that one. Go to 16. 
Maybe I, uh, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. Salvation means what? Completeness. Let's just say completeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Let's just say that. Shalom is actually that word, but it's another word for salvation. But, you know, nothing. And it says that it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who what? What is faith? It's what I believe about God's power, goodness, provision, and kindness towards me. It's what do I believe about that? How do I change my believing? Back again, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed is a Greek word metamorpho, which means like a butterfly goes, or a caterpillar goes into a cocoon, it metamorphosizes into a butterfly. When you renew this thing, the beauty of God then can come out in your life. But it doesn't happen passively. And so now this person is going, how is God going to sanctify me? I'm not going to earn it. I'm not going to do it by my efforts. I am not. It is by God in his power that I'm going to be healed, that my heart's going to be healed. And if I don't keep looking to him, I'm not going to get it. Because God is sitting down and he says, let me tell you about the word I gave you. And now we're fellowshipping. Come on. We're fellowshipping. You all can come. And you're coming, the Bible says, come boldly into the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find help in your time of need. Come boldly here. And at this point, because he says that we cry out, Abba, Father, I'm sorry. I needed this so much in my life. Every time I talk about it, my heart breaks. And I was able to run into the throne room and say, Daddy, I hurt. I'm messed up. I... I don't even know if you really love me, but I know you do. And I just need you to love on me. And you come boldly into this throne room. And he goes, this is what I did for you. And he shows you the word. And it's called Rama. And now you're physically reading the word. Your mind is grabbing onto it. And your spirit is going, it's life. This is the real you. I remember the day that righteousness dropped into my heart. For about three years, every day, three, four, five times a day, I would confess scriptures about who I was in Christ. You know, and, you know, and I'm walking around my house for hours, literally hours. Okay, you guys can sit down because I think I can do the rest without you, but I, I appreciate you so much. Did that help you guys? And for hours I would walk around my house. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I'm talking hours. You made me righteous. And I would quote 2 Corinthians 5.21 or 17. And I would just sit there. And I'd go, I'm a righteous man. Have righteous thoughts. Have righteous actions. You said I'm righteous. Now, I'm not saying I'm righteous. I don't even think I'm righteous. I don't even feel righteous. My thoughts are crazy. My flesh wants all kinds of things. It should not have. I am righteous, though, because you said so. And who am I to, tell, who am I to dict, uh, contradict you? You're God. And if you say I'm righteous, it doesn't matter how I feel because I surely don't feel righteous. But if you say I'm righteous, I'm righteous. I'm a righteous man. I have righteous thoughts. I have righteous actions. I am, because of what you said, but you did in me, because you did it in me, I am a righteous man. I have righteous thoughts. I have righteous actions. 
I am your righteousness. You took my sin. Ephesians 1, 7, I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. You know, Colossians 1, 13, I've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You know, washed in the blood. You know, you know in the Colossians, you just read the whole first couple chapters. And, you know, you sit there. I have been doing this. None of it felt like it. My emotions didn't feel like it. My mind was still vacillating between, uh, let me just bring up your past. And, and going towards, let God dictate your future. And so the God of peace himself, outside of religion, me trying to earn it, and if I would just look to him and fellowship with him and do these things, then I can make my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. Why is it my reasonable service? Religion will say, you really got to change this. You can't love God. You know, I mean, okay, how about the whole, the LGBT, I don't even know what all the letters are. You know, lifestyle and stuff like this. So many of them, like in the gym or whatever. You know, I just walk in. Hey, what's happening? You know, give them a hug. You know, whatever. Build a relationship with them. You know what I mean? And, and every time I get into, you know, talking to them about the Lord and stuff, every Christian they've ever met told them that God hates them. And my heart breaks every time. And I just look at him and I go, what if your sexuality isn't the issue? What if God does love you and he wants to have a relationship with you? Because you're never going to be able to, by religion, change enough to be accepted. My faith is in his goodness, not mine. My faith is in his power, not mine. And I got to project that to others. We were at the gas station the other day getting gas, and somebody from our church was buying, what was it? Scotch. You know what I mean? And they're like, and they come out, Pastor, I just saw your wife. I can't believe it. I am so embarrassed. I go, Really? Wow, interesting. I go, why? Why are you embarrassed? I go, you do know Jesus' first miracle was wine, right? I, I don't know if you know that or not. He, he kind of like threw a party, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I know it freaks religious people out that he did that, and all, all the Protestants are trying to turn the water into Kool-Aid, okay? And, you know, and I love Pastor Duane. He does not believe the same way that I do about this, and so you believe what he believes. And, and stuff like this. Now, I'm not condoning, I'm not condoning it, you know, any kind of behavior that would cause you to be bound because this is the deal. When your flesh is addicted to anything, it becomes Lord. That's why I limit my coffee so I won't be addicted to it because it started to drive me. Come on. And the evil of addiction is that it becomes, your flesh becomes Lord and its voice is greater than what the voice of the Spirit is. And then you try to get healed and you say, by the stripes of Jesus, you're healed. And they go, shut up. I'll tell you I'm healed when I feel healed. You follow me. Watch. Let's go get some coffee because you need some. Let's go have a beer because you need one right now. Let's go shoot up because, you know, hey, I'm in control. I'll tell you when we're healed. And a lot of Christians live here. I'll believe it when I see it. Their flesh is dominating them and the flesh is Lord. And when Jesus Christ is Lord, and I can look to him. So I said, so uh, are you addicted to this? He goes, no. 
And I was just being led by the Spirit, you know. Come on, somebody. Can I answer that? Oh, please. I'll dance if you let me answer it. Hey. And he goes, no, I just like to have some now and then. I go, well, the Bible says God gave you all things richly to enjoy. And if it's not controlling your life, what if it's okay? I go, if the Lord tells you not to do it, don't do it. If it's going to be a problem, he'll start sharing with you. And you, don't, you don't do it. If you, if you start to feel like, mm, stop. And I said, if you can't stop with the, mm, get rid of it all. Don't even ever touch it again. He goes, are you kidding me? I go, no, it'd be great. So I said, let me smell it. I opened it up, smelled it. Hey, that smells pretty good. You know, whatever. He texts me, he goes, I am so proud to have you as my pastor. He says, there is no condemnation in you. I don't have it to give. He lives, he lives and dies standing before the Lord alone. I'm just here to be a messenger to tell him what God said. And religion will condemn. And because I don't have any to give, because I needed mercy, I can go into the gym and hug those that have a lifestyle much different than mine. And I share with them, listen, Christianity is the only religion that's going to embrace you. And let me just share with you, not false Christianity, that's religion. I've said true Christianity is the only thing you're going to love. If you want to be a Muslim, they're going to kill you. If you want to be an atheist, then evolution is saying that you're un, that you are subspe, you're inferior and it's trying to eliminate you because you can't procreate. So if we're going to be atheists and we're going to believe in evolution, then we have to put you in a lower class and you're not worthy because nature itself is saying that you're that you're lower because you can't procreate. I go, other religions will condemn you, but let me say what true Christianity will do. True Christianity will say, you're, you're my workmanship. I have a gift in you. I created you to touch people. I created you for a purpose. I said, what if the issue isn't your sexuality? What if the issue is, is you don't know the one that created you? I go, I want you to fall in love with him. And I go, when you fall in love with him, though, this is what's going to happen. Your life's going to change because there's going to be a whole part of you that's going to be brand new. And eventually, your flesh is going to have to come in line with that. And I said, and we can help you with that when it comes. And it might be very hard, but if you'll follow the Lord, you're going to change. And we've seen several homosexuals change in our church. See, change doesn't come by me comes by the one who sat on the throne and gave himself and took the shame and was beaten and took it all because he so loved me so loved the world And if my relationship and if Christianity isn't all about him, I'm doing it wrong. And if he says, I became poor that you become rich, I have to start thinking rich. And I got a whole sermon on that, and it's a whole different thing. And he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And that word means too much that you can't contain it. 
And so I've got to define that because if that's what he says, I have to start walking in it because he's Lord. And I don't know if you know who Corrie Ten Boom is, but I like her as an illustration because she was in a Nazi concentration camp and she found abundant life there. And so this abundant life that welled out of her, which took a process and some time, she ended up feeling sorry for those who were beating her and those who were her captors, saying they're the one in prison because they're bound by hatred. And she felt more sorry for them than she did for herself because she found abundant life in the middle of a concentration camp. Because she connected with this. If you have shame in your life because of bad decisions, you have shame in your life because of something that was done to you, I want you to quit looking at that and I want you to start looking to the one who's your healer. There's several ways to receive this. One is in James. It says, call for the elders of the church and they will anoint you with oil and they'll pray the prayer of faith and they'll save the sick. And if you commit any sins, you'll be forgiven. And what happens is that the elders are people who are all facing towards God. Their spirit is towards God, their mind's towards God, and they're dragging their body on the journey. And that's a whole other teaching. He gets saved later. You just drag them. And then you come, and you might be vacillating between the two, but you believe in the goodness of God, and you read in his word that if these people pray for me, I'm going to get it. And you just drag everything in and go, my faith is in your faith right now. And if you anoint me with oil, I'm going to be healed. There's another way, Mark 16 And it says, these signs will follow those who believe and they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Who gets to do that? Anyone who believes that you can do that. (laughs) But but, but I, I know that's what it says, but I'm not sure it'll work. No, no, it will. He said so. He's God. He's God. He said so. But what if it doesn't work? He said it would. Just believe it. What if they don't receive? Sometimes they receive, but then they turn back towards the flesh and they reject it. And that's not, your, that's not your fault. I believe it works every time. I just laid hands on a little baby yesterday. You know, he was born premature. And they let me put my little hands in the... And I said... Yeah, that thing. And I just laid hands on... Oh, man, a whole, the dude could fit in my hand. You know, I just put my little hands on him. Judah... The healing anointing is working in your body. I command you to respond. I command every organ to be developed. I command every part of you to grow in the name of Jesus Christ. You cannot convince me the healing anointing is not working in that little boy. Well, how do you know it's going to work? He said so. Mark 11, 23 and 24 and 25 says that if you stand praying, believing anything that you pray, it will be done for you. When you ask. It talks about speaking. talks about praying and receiving. That's the one where it says, if anyone says, say, this mountain be removed, cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes the things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, whenever you stand praying, believe that you receive and you will. So I can just pray and receive. Why? Because of what he did. Now, all my confidence in everything is not in me or my abilities. It's all in him. And this is what will make faith easy. 
It's all about what he, what he did. I kept moving God. Can you just believe he's good? Quit limiting God to who you are. If you have to be able to figure God out, he will never be bigger than you. Just trust me, he's going to blow your mind. Whatever he says, you say yes. I remember laying hands on the sick and watching somebody die. I went, I did it, Lord, why? He goes, you obeyed me and that's what's important. Why they couldn't receive between me and them and don't you concern yourself with it. That is not your deal. That's between me and them and I'm not going to tell you. There's been other times he's told me why. My job is to do his job. My job is to do what he says. And that's it. My job is to believe about me what he says about me. That's it. The power, my trust, my confidence. This is Christianity. This is real Christianity. It's all about you, Lord. And you get born again by saying, Jesus, you are Lord. That's it. That's it.